We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and we are coming to you live after the Chargers' first joint practice with the Dallas Cowboys. We also have, of course, the big news of the day to talk about, which is the extension of Mr. Derwin James. Uh, really excited to get all of the thoughts here. We have Arjun on the show today. Uh, give us some of the you know nitty-gritty financial details as much as we have, at least at this point. Uh, so, Arjun, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing today? I'm um, doing pretty well. Uh, I, I mentioned it on the training camp recap, but the Derwin James news was the first thing I woke up to where <laughs> I had your guys' DMs. I had Brad Spielberger from PFF texting me, and I had someone else that I talk contracts with text me. So woke up at like 7.15, 7.20 to that, and was kind of just that, – that was a great way to start the day. Yeah, uh, I get to uh, work from home on Wednesdays from time to time, and so I was working from home today. I was literally right about to hop on my Peloton bike, and then I get the notification from, uh, I think it was uh, Andrew Schultz who broke it first, uh, and then Rappaport and everybody like that. And I was like, okay, Peloton can wait for a few minutes. Got to you know get on the Twitter and see what's up. So it was definitely a good morning. Um, Alex is here as well, man. Alex, what's up? How are you doing tonight? Doing good. Woke up to the, oh, well, I didn't wake up to the German James. I woke up at 430 <laughs> on the East Coast. What the fuck am I talking about? Uh, but the Derwin James news was very cool. It's cool that we finally got it. It took a little longer than we wanted, but uh, it's here and we could stop asking about it. Yeah, you know, it was so classic. I, uh, I did an article last night. Um, it got published at like 730 about why Chargers fans shouldn't be worried about the contract. 
Uh, and then of course it happens super early in the morning. So didn't even make it 12 hours, but it's all good. Uh, Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Doing very well. I'm so happy this is done and over with. We kind of knew what was going on for a bit and we said, Hey, you know, don't worry about it. Relax. It's all good. But boy, you know, time was going on and half of our chats were filled with, should we be worried what's going to happen? And, you know, we maintained it was going to happen. It did. And I'm happy. Also, big shout out. I'm trying to one up my mom here. It seems is yeah. Vandervelden with a $50 super sticker. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Feel free to ask as many questions as you want. <laughs> yeah, as always, if you do ask a super chat question, we will get to it. Uh, we'll potentially get to some questions, uh, you know, at the end of this episode, we'll see how long we go uh, in this one. Obviously, we have a lot to talk about, like I mentioned, with the Derwin stuff, as well as the Cowboys recap. Um, before we get started, you know, I uh, want to give a big shout out to everybody that is new to the channel. We got uh, obviously a big influx of subscribers today from uh, the Derwin James News and, and the giveaways that we are both doing. Oh, my gosh, Renee with another $50 chat. Holy shit. <laughs> Shout out to wow. Renee, man. Crushing it. Really appreciate that. Um, do not ask us to do handstands. I cannot do a handstand. Hey, man. Uh, I, I'll do it. I'll do it, man. I'll twerk. Whatever you want, man. <laughs> um, but, yes. Yeah, so, obviously, thanks to everybody who is new to the channel. We will um, be having a ton of content coming over the next few weeks. We've had a big week already. Arjun got to interview Josh Kelly. Um, which was a great interview. And I know Josh seems to be having a good time as well. So um, Tyler and Arjun got to attend practice today. They did a quick recap of everything today, and they will be doing the same thing tomorrow. All right, that being said, let's dive into Derwin's contract extension. Um, you know, when the uh, training camp began, essentially, we, we kind of predicted, or, or at least Brad did, and we kind of speculated about this, that um, that Derwin would end up being around 18.75 per year. He ends up getting $19.1 million per year and a full $42 million guaranteed. Um, the signing bonus is expected to be quite large for Derwin James and, um, as predicted, is, is a four-year contract extension for Derwin James. So, Tyler, we'll start with you, man. Uh, first thoughts when you... You know, you get that Twitter, that tweet notification, uh, instant reaction about Derwin's contract extension. I was mildly dead inside, mostly because <laughs> we kind of knew these numbers. Like I tweeted out, we all tweeted out four weeks ago, hey, you know, four years, 76 million or whatever. And we've just been waiting to this ugly slog, slush fest of contract negotiations. And Arjun will talk about some of the process, um, which is, I think, more interesting. But when I first saw it, I was like, yeah, okay. And I just kept going with my workout. You know, I did a little tweet. Let's go. And that's about that. But otherwise, um, in all honesty, fantastic player. He literally stepped onto the field and was the best player at his position. At worst, top three at his position. It's like, oh, this guy's really freaking good. Some guys just have it. He was one of them. Deserves whatever he got. He got a really great deal for himself. Uh, works out for him. I'm happy for him. Happy this is over with. Can't wait to watch him out there. Yeah, you know, I mentioned the article I did for LAFB, and I think when you look up and down the top tier safety, you know, contracts, of course, Derwin, you know, clears that market pretty uh, easily by a, by a good margin. And so I think when you look at, you know, who the top safeties are on the, in the in that safety market, you're looking at somebody like a Minka Fitzpatrick, like a Justin Simmons, who's a little bit more penciled into just strictly free safety work. Then, of course, you're talking about like a Jamal Adams type, who, who frankly. <laughs> It really has no business being in that kind of position, but 
just not nearly as good as Derwin. He's a little bit, you know, there is some versatility there, but, you know, Brandon Staley has talked about this and Derwin James plays six positions for this defense. You know, he plays both safety spots. He plays star, he plays money and he plays edge rusher and he played outside corner last year, uh, particularly against the Cowboys when he was covering CD lamb. So, um, Nobody in the game in terms of defensive backs is doing what Derwin James does. And so I, I think rightfully clears the safety market and, you know, couldn't be happier. I love that text exchange that uh, Mulageta shared from, you know, him and all his clients with Casey Hayward and Jalen Ramsey. And all Derwin wanted to do was just get back at practice, man. And Brandon said he talked about that today. And this guy just loves football so much. He loves playing for the Chargers. Um, and, and I think it just is such a big moment for this team and for Derwin, of course. Uh, Alex, what were your thoughts when you got that first uh, Twitter notification? Derwin got extended. Uh, yeah, just that it's finally over and that he can go back to practice and we can pretend like this never happened, I guess. Or that, I mean, it really did never happen because he was here the whole time and he was practicing edge rush moves with Khalil Mack and uh, Joey Bosa on the side. And it just felt like he was here and it was going to get done. Um, you know, I guess we did expect 18.75 as the annual number and it ended up being 19.1. So I guess you could argue it's like, oh, it's a slight overpay over, you know, what we thought it would be in terms of average annual value. But the guaranteed money was about what we thought it was. The total money on the contract was about what we thought it was. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I think everyone should be happy with this deal. And I think Brandon Staley summarized it pretty well when he said, you know, we, we've seen what it is. This team is without Derwin James and we've seen what it is with him. Right. And so it just was not it wasn't, you know, I don't want to say like it wouldn't have been possible. Like if Derwin just decided to start holding out and miss game time uh, that like it wouldn't have been possible for the Chargers to handle that situation. But you need him on the field. You need him now. You need him for the next you know, four years of that contract. Otherwise, this defense doesn't work. Uh, and we've seen that in the past before. So I'm very happy this is done. Very happy we could put it behind us and very just excited to see, you know, an all pro talent on the field. Yeah, you know, Arjun pointed this out, just the EPA per play of the Chargers defense in, in a very specific instance, right, against the Chiefs, you could really see the clear value of Derwin James on and off the field and what he provides to this team. And Brandon said he's talked about the record and, and just the value that he brings. So, um, Arjun, you did a, a great instant recap of, of the news in your Derwin James jersey this morning. Uh, but what are your uh, some of your initial thoughts, you know, hearing this news today? Yeah, so... Um, I, I also tweeted about this, but I, I actually fully believe this this contract, the basic structure, like years total and APY were hammered out weeks in advance. So like this was done probably yeah. even before training camp started. But the final piece or pieces was the guarantees. And it wasn't it wasn't really just fully guaranteed. It was the injury guarantees in year three. Now, at the time we're recording this, there's no um, there's there hasn't been any news of the actual or like full de detail of the contract so yeah. i can't really like break that down it's, it's going to be me doing my projections but i do have some insight that i'm able to share now that the deal is dropped so according according to some sources what happened in this negotiation was the chargers initially obviously offered the first extension so this is this is going to be important for you know some of our listeners here so the chargers initially offered derwin that and they gave the first offer but the first offer was kind of a low ball like they kind of low ball derwin to the point where derwin's agent team at athletes first were like 
just send us another offer or we're not even going to like engage in these negotiations. So the way I interpreted that was like, okay, the Chargers probably didn't even offer Derwin a market resetting deal, which, you know, I, I've done these negotiation competitions. And like, I, I know that if you're the team side, you kind of want to come in low and then work your way up. So like, I, I understand. And I mean, I, I'm sure the Chargers think that Derwin's one of the best, if not the best safety in the game, but yeah, that's that's kind of how it started. The Chargers kind of lowballed Derwin a little bit to start the negotiation. They came back with a new offer, but because the first offer was pretty low, the rest of the negotiation process took a little bit and they had to grind out some of these intricate details just because of the first offer. And I think that definitely played a part in uh, played a part in how long it took to get this deal done. But, you know, they did get it done and at the end of the day, this is, I would say, a more player-friendly deal than team-friendly. And judging by some of the numbers that have come out about the contract, I think Derwin and his agent, David Mulugeta, is, in my opinion, the best agent in the game, uh, definitely got a great deal. And as we you know, start talking about the contract and breaking it down on like over the cap, I'll, I'll kind of explain about like why this is a pretty good contract for Derwin and and why it's actually pretty difficult for me to kind of like piece everything together, but overall a, a pretty good um, contract for Joe Warren. And I, I mean, I'm just happy that he's practicing again. Yeah. So just to answer some questions here, are we talking like lower than Fitzpatrick? Or are we just talking specifically? Well, it looks like um, like it, it, low ball could mean a lot of different things, right? Like the contract ends up being around $900,000 more per year than Minka and $4 million more guaranteed than Jamal Adams, who had the, the previous highest mark. So are we talking about, like, lower than Minka? Or are we talking, like, how, obviously, I don't know if you know, like, the whole I, I, the I, details, but is it lower than Minka? Or is that how low we're talking about, or, or lower than that? Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know the full details. This is from someone else um, that I heard of, heard it about from. But if, I mean, just thinking about it, if they lowballed, Derwin to the point where they the agent's side was like we're not even going to negotiate with you then I think it's probably a touch below Minka and they just weren't willing to reset the market but sure. um again it's it's all speculation I'm not I'm not completely sure number one if they came in below Minka or number two like how exactly how much truth there is to the to the source I do have a lot of faith in the source but I you know obviously things can seep through the wires and and get a little bit messed up as you pass it from ear to ear, but um, yeah. that, that was an interesting nugget that I picked up during the negotiation process. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you, I don't question who you would have heard things from, whether it's true or not. I, I understand. Um, I'm curious what the chargers, what that low ball offer is like Steven's asking because they had no leverage here outside of maybe the injuries, but Brandon Staley has been so committed to Derwin James and they've been so committed to Derwin James that I mean, you look at the end result of the contract, right? Even though they lowballed and they were hoping to maybe meet in the middle or something, they couldn't even meet in the middle in the end because it really seemed like Derwin James' side had all the power here in the end. That's why he got 19.13 or whatever it was. So interesting to hear that they lowballed him. But I'm just curious if it's more, you know, like everyone's thinking right now, was it more of a, a lowball because you never start, you know, you know, like pawn shop stuff, you know, you never start with the big offer uh, or what, but. Yeah, you know, whatever. We're good now. 
Yeah, I mean, like Arjun said, I feel like every, anybody who's negotiating is not going to start with like the best offer. Like you're going to start and, and work your way up. So the fact that it took this long, I'm sure that played a part in in everything. And you know, Brandon said these comments yesterday kind of made me think like, oh, like they're trying to not necessarily pay him as a cornerback, but they're trying to like significantly reset the safety market to potentially be like a little bit more on par with the cornerback market. Because if you look at you know, the disparities between the two, it's pretty significant, right? Like there were, um, you know, five safeties on a yearly basis who make more money than uh, Mika Fitzpatrick. There were eight cornerbacks who made more money in terms of guaranteed money than uh, Jamal Adams. So I think obviously from Derwin's perspective, from his agent's perspective, they're trying to make sure that, you know, the, this safety market is truly reset. And it's not just like, oh, we just have to clear Minka. Like they definitely had a clear mission in making sure that they really reset the market. Mm -hmm. All right, Arjun, do you want to get into uh, number crunching? Oh, God. Uh, no, sorry, <laughs> I keep clicking the wrong thing. Um, yeah, let me... So I'm going to share my screen real quick. First, before we do um, over the cap, I wanted to share... Um, I wanted to share, like, the breakdown that I do for, like, all the contracts so you guys can see my screen right huh uh cannot see your screen yet there you go there we go okay so if you guys don't follow me on twitter i've been posting about this kind of stuff for the past like couple weeks but basically i created a model to predict how long we, we can expect a player to play um given the contract details that they signed so basically given a lot of the contract details like years apy total um, I'm able to predict uh, the probability or the likelihood that Derwin James plays each year of his new deal. So we're only looking at uh, 2023 through 2026, so the four new years of his extension. So basically, um, I had to ballpark the signing bonus, which I think is around $20 million. And also I had to ballpark the fully guaranteed, um, which I'll get to, get into a little bit later. But Basically, we can expect this to at least be a three-year deal. Like he's going to play at least until 2025, which is the third year of his extension. But in the fourth year of his deal, there's only about a 37.5% chance that he plays that year. So it, it's unlikely based on the model. But again, it's all probabilities. It's all likelihoods. Just because right. it's unlikely doesn't mean it won't happen, right? Like that's that's just what probability is. And judging that, you know, the, the model doesn't take into account it does take into account if the player's a star or not, because it is taking into account contextual factors like total and APY. But, you know, Derwin's team captain and everything like that. So I think for the most part, he probably will play out this deal and either get a new extension by the time he hits uh, the fourth year of his deal or, or he, he might get cut or he just plays it out and, and leaves the charges after. But given how much Derwin is valued by this organization, I can fully expect him to play out um, each year of the deal. But happy to answer if you guys have any questions while I pull up over the cap. Yeah, just for our audio audience, um, you know, Arjun's currently sharing a, a tweet that he already sent out, just, um, you know, ballparking essentially the likelihood that Derwin James plays every single year on this existing contract. And so uh, you're looking at 99.99%, obviously, for the first year, 93.98 for the second year, 79.63 for the third year. And then for the fourth and final year, like you mentioned, thirty-seven point four eight. So um, this is a this is a model that you and, and Tej and, and everybody come kind of came up with, or how'd you guys get this started? 
No, so this is just me and Brad Spielberger, uh, salary cap okay. analyst at PFF. We uh, put this together over the summer and um, kind of just been using it to talk about new extensions and contracts. So glad I was able to do it for Derwin before the season started and um, basically apply some of the model findings to his contract. Yeah, um, I get a lot of questions about this all the time. And, and you know, we've talked about this before, but the way that the contract was reported, obviously, uh, is kind of a little misleading. Um, Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter both said that Derwin gets $29 million uh, in the first year of his contract. Can you clear that up a little bit, Arjun, in terms of like what it does for the Chargers cap number? And I guess we can kind of talk about this on the over cap part. But um, I saw some people on Twitter pointing out like, oh, they're paying him $29 million this first year. What does that really mean, though? Yeah, so that's a good question. So when they say Derwin James is making $29 million, um, that basically means that that the money that he's bringing into his bank account is $29 million in year one. So at the end of 2023, he will have made $29 million from this new contract. What this doesn't mean is the Chargers will be paying Derwin James $29 million against the cap um, on their cap sheet in 2023. In reality, his cap hit is more likely to be around, like, this is where I'm putting the numbers together, about 11 to $12 million right now. And um, that's what his cap hit is likely to be. And, you know, the you only have so many characters on Twitter and you have to get a, a breaking news extension out. Right. So when Stefter and Rappaport tweet out, he's expected to make $29 million in year one. That's what the player is expected to make. And that's not really what the team is putting against the cap for that given year. Cool. Um, yeah, so I, I have over the cap up on my on my side so I can share that. Real oh, okay, quick. cool. And, and one mind. thing, another thing I wanted to point out for some of the listeners just to like help educate everyone in, in this space. Rappaport, Schefter, they both said Derwin James is making or he's getting $42 million in total guarantees. Now, there is a fundamental difference between total guarantees and fully guaranteed money. Fully guaranteed money means at signing, you automatically have that in your bank account. So or not, well, yeah, technically, it's pretty much in your bank account, like at signing. But total guarantees does not include things like injury guarantees or uh, vested guarantees such as like roster bonuses so for someone like derwin james where i was talking about how um how like the sticking point in in the negotiations to me was injury guarantees past the second year i think that's where his total guarantees was a little bit inflated and in reality his fully guaranteed money was in the 37 to 38 to 39 million dollar range if that makes sense no i think that definitely makes some some sense uh, quick shout out of course to uh renee who's done more super stickers as well as both of tyler's parents <laughs> in here i'm gonna retire the super stickers <laughs> so very productive uh super sticker day for the guilty as charge podcast so um all right the, the thing that i unless uh do we want to dive more into like the structure or we want to move on a little bit I mean, I think at this point, it might help to have over the cap visualize some of the structure. So it's up to you, Arjun. Yeah, no, I'm 
okay so i i don't think i've ever tried to like use over the cap and and stream so it's i think it's a little bit slow <laughs> on my end um that's okay you, you should can... see me do spreadsheets <laughs> everybody's been giving tyler shit over <laughs> our uh stock exchange uh thing which oh by the way alex you uh you went up four dollars for your stock markets this week <laughs> Wow, four dollars. Can I can I buy another player? When, when do we get no, but you ironically almost bought a bunch of Easton Stick stock, and maybe you should have. Yeah, Tyler. Mm. Yeah. Do you do you mind trying to pull up this like contract thing on your side, and then I'm yeah, also, I feel like this just isn't working for me. Yeah. So, so you want me to just extend Drowin James? Yeah, and then I'll just kind of walk you because I have. I have it on like a Google sheet on my side. I just um, a little more user friendly on Google. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, got you. All right, let's extend Derwin James. I got it for us. Okay, so let's add four years for Derwin. And the first thing we'll do, um, we'll set the signing bonus. So the wait, actually, no, no, no. This is it's actually going to be a different like part of the website. Oh. So if you like cancel this out real quick and then you go to the top left and it'll be the interactive and then you do contract constructor because this way we'll also be able to measure his uh, 2022 cap hit with the sign. Love here. that. Love these ads. That's great. Yeah, Fire off in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> I just lost half of our group. Okay. Oh my goodness. Purdue Global, um, shout out. Yeah, you know. <laughs> okay, is that is that slow for you also? That it is. That, yeah, it absolutely hates yeah. me right now. That that might just be a website thing. Okay, we might oh, just have yeah. to use the um, go back. I'm I'm sorry. I I thought I was trying this before the stream and it was it was working fine. Um, I, this I was, is what live TV is it's, it's live TV, man. Yeah. Okay. Oh, like the technical support down there. Let me. Just kidding. All right. Okay. You know. You know. I. I think I can. I think I can uh, just share it from my screen then, and then because. Okay. Yeah. I, that that that'll just be easier. But. Um, All right. Yeah. I got I got Trump ads popping up like crazy. So. <laughs> Go for it. Alex is losing it. <laughs> Apparently, I'm a super committed. <laughs> Forget it. All right. <laughs> okay. So. Wait, so Tyler, when you get to the over the cap, like how it's like not letting me other. Oh, okay. Can you see my screen now? Absolutely. I just had to pull it up. You're good now. Okay. Yeah. You're, so first, thing we'll, first thing we'll do now that we finally got this working. Um, we'll set the signing bonus to about $20 million. So I, I believe Aaron Wilson said the signing bonus was just north of, of 20 million. Um, so I guess I'll I'll make it like twenty point five, just so. Um, Didn't in your tweet then in your tweet you say twenty two point five? Oh yeah, that was me guessing, but I didn't see Aaron Wilson's tweet at the time. So gotcha. if he said it was like mm-hmm. just a hair above twenty, so start off by that. Um, then God, they also said, so then they said uh, his year one cash flow was twenty nine million. So basically to, to do that, we'll just take his signing, we'll take 29 
minus 20.5. So that pretty much means his base salary in year one is um, $8.5 million. So, and then obviously this, this has to be fully guaranteed. And then I'm guessing in, in year two, um, but guys dig it. We got a super chat battle going on. <laughs> Jeez. Renee just throwing around round money left and right. So is Tyler's mom. Just like the starters. <laughs> okay. So sorry. You guys can still see my screen, right? So yeah, we got gotcha. you. Um so I think the way that the contract is constructed is, is a little bit different than what Tom Telesco, uh, how he like normally does his contracts. Um, like normally we see him with like a pretty low year one cash flow or year one cap hit. But in this case, it's, it's a little bit uh, higher than like most other contracts. Um, but because like normally this base salary is near like four or 5 million, but because sure. he has a pretty high year one cap hit, um, that this and we obviously know the number. I think this comes out to be about eight point five million. And then I think if I'm doing this correctly, oh yeah, no, this will this will work out perfect. So that, um, okay, so that means I just got to keep track. So this is thirty eight point five million. So basically, we're we're actually halfway there. So then I just have to come up with. 38 again so we can say this is like 18 million 22 million and boom so if i did this correct um for the people not watching on youtube basically i created a contract where um year one cap hit will be 12.6 million dollars but his year one cash flows amount to be 29 million because we'll take the signing bonus plus 8.5 million in year one then brad actually just texted me live that he'll have 38 million 38.5 million dollars um fully guaranteed in year two or 38.5 million dollars um in cash flows through two years which means the final two years we just have to find a way to get 38 million dollars um give or take so actually I, I think this needs to be updated so for everyone listening and watching you're literally getting a very intelligent pro football focus intern and like the head of their capology <laughs> yeah working on this just, right now <laughs> yeah so let me just quickly make sure this um comes out to be the number we need Because the other, um, the other part of the website that I wanted to do originally that was just super slow does this all for us, and then okay, so we're 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 a million over, so I think we can just make this. Okay. So apologies for the long pauses here for our audio audience. Yeah, no, I'm really sorry. Okay, so 
Okay, this last last change, and I think this will, will be good after. So, this amounts to four years, seventy six million dollars. So, I, and this is another thing I wanted to bring up. the The contract is was reported as four years, seventy six point five three two, and the point five three two is interesting because point five three two represents the seventeenth game check that got put into place last year. So previously, all these new contracts were under a 16-game uh, schedule. Like that's how they were constructed. That each player gets paid for 16 games. But technically, the 17th game didn't get put into place for Derwin. So what the Chargers did is, that for the new contract, they did factor in the 17th game. But for the fifth-year option that he has, the nine, uh, the nine million and fifty-two thousand uh, in 2022, they added. 532,000 to the end of his extension. And so that represents the 17th game check from this season. Does that make sense? So what this means actually is in reality, the new extension is pretty much a four year, $76 million deal. I don't really think it's a true 4,076.5. I think it's a true 476. So I don't think I was wrong in saying that Derwin James isn't going to break $19 million. I think he landed exactly on $76 million, which, you know, according to some sources that I had during the negotiation process for the past couple of weeks, it was going to land on 76 and I think it really did. So I think this contract um, does a good job of, of kind of showing that. The last thing to mention, and I can't, I don't really want to add it, but I guess I'll add it. So as you can see here, the guaranteed money on this deal is 20.5 million plus 8.5 million, which is um, $29 million plus the $9 million fully guaranteed money in year two, which only makes this fully guaranteed uh, $38 million. But as, like I said, it was, it was reported that the total guarantees, not the fully guarantees was $42 million. So the last part of the deal is adding an injury guaranteed of $4 million. Now this does not count towards total guarantees, but the injury guarantees is something that Justin Simmons specifically has on his contract. And this is something that um, I believe Mulugeta negotiated for the third year of Derwin's deal. So that if he ever gets hurt in year three, he'll still recoup about $4 million in that deal, which brings his total guaranteed, not fully guaranteed up to $42 million. So I think, I did this right, and I think this is how the contract breaks down. But uh, let me know if, if you guys have questions in the chat, and if, if this is yeah. too confusing, because I I, I think people it. might have questions, but I yeah. don't think they're gonna ask. Well, I'm I'm laughing at Chorizo Compapa's comment where he says, "Arjun reminds me of my physics professor." I just nod my head and pretend I know what he's talking about. Too afraid to ask questions so that I don't confuse myself further. I feel some of that. I feel that, but I Arjun, you did a great job explaining it. Um, you know, and for our audio audience that's uh, curious about this, uh, Arjun has the cap numbers essentially at 13.15, 12.6, 13.1, 22.1, uh, and then 25.1 for the duration of the contract. So uh, if you're doing some quick math at home, it actually takes, um, I think, $4 million away from the Chargers this year in cap space, which would put them about 10 and then next year, of course, you have to add 12.6, which means the Chargers would be at uh, about $24 million in the red uh, as it currently stands. But again, that 
that number probably changes. Um, you're talking about Chargers potentially carrying some cash space over. So just wanted to mention that part of this whole uh, financial quiz, if you will. Arjun, do you want to hit transactions just so we can see what the what it all looks yeah, like? Yeah, sure. And for the people that are joking with me in the chat, I, I don't really want to explain this again. but <laughs> <laughs> They can hit rewind, Arjun. It's okay. Yeah, they can rewatch this later. Um, but yeah, so like Steven said, this will put us about 24 million in the red, still have about 10 million to carry over, assuming no in-season moves. Um, and I mean, I, I've kind of talked about it. They're probably going to restructure Bosa, uh, restructure Keenan potentially, and then cut Michael Davis. So that will free up space. And I think that, that was kind of the goal with some of the draft picks over the past couple of years. I can't believe we just got paid $750 to listen to Arjun break down cap stuff. Appreciate it. <laughs> there we go. That's why we have Arjun here. So um, great stuff there. I do want to talk briefly about what Arjun is talking about next, which is obviously the Chargers uh, future contracts, because they have a lot of guys mm-hmm. making top tier uh, dollars at their respective positions. Of course, you're talking about Joey Bosa. You're talking about uh, JC Jackson, Derwin James, all this stuff. And uh, Justin Herbert extension is coming soon um so the chargers next year like we said after this contract puts them about 24 million dollars in the red uh they'll have 50 players under contract which does include already some of their undrafted free agents from this year like uh you know trevon bradford is included in that and so is raheem lane Mm -hmm. and letty brown and stuff like that so the chargers will have to be a little bit more flexible than they traditionally have been going forward here but this is the price that you pay for putting together a contending level team so um alex i don't know if you've looked at the the cap sheet very much next year but i wanted to allow you to kind of jump in here um anything stand out to you about some potential chargers that might be on the chopping block next year might be on the restructuring block next year or anything like that uh, I mean, we've talked about Michael Davis already, even prior to this, you know, contract in this situation, he's probably a likely cut anyway, just because of how his contract structured. And, you know, then you get to restructuring Khalil Mack, restructuring Joey Bosa. I actually wanted to ask Arjun a question because um, obviously the last year of the Derwin James contract is the first year, right, of when Justin Herbert's new contract would kick in. Um, so if we kind of simulate it to what we did there, that Derwin James cap hit is about 25 million or so um, in that final year. Do we ever get into potential restructure territory with that? Or, you know, in terms of that 37% uh, that you had that he makes it to year four, obviously a lot of that is about variance and the guaranteed money. Um, but do you think there's any chance that, you know, with the number of chargers that will eventually be coming up for extensions and stuff like that, that Derwin could eventually be some kind of, you know, I don't want to say sacrifice towards the Justin Herbert contract, but, you know, with the injuries and stuff, could it kind of, you know, play out that way, say in year four, uh, based on what his cap hit is now? Because it seems like in terms of cash flows, you know, obviously he's getting a lot of that money up front, but then the cap numbers do, you know, progressively go up. Then again, the cap also will go up too. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and, And I think you're right in the sense that, uh, we have to be thinking about when these deals are going to be affected by Herbert not being on a rookie deal. And the, the thing with that is like, I think the chargers have like set up their roster building to where they have a lot of these big contracts come off when Herbert finishes rookie deal. So Keenan will be done 
in year five of Herbert Steele, same with Mike. Um, and, and ultimately I think like it's tough. I think if Derwin stays healthy for the next like three, four years, I, I would definitely be open to him restructuring his deal and, and pushing some of those base salaries into that final year and, and just paying him like a, a huge lump sum of money. But I think it's, it's dependent on if he can stay healthy. And again, like he's a great player availability does matter a lot in these type of things. And if you're paying Derwin, my cap number is $24 million in the final year. I mean, you'd kind of hope that he can play um, like you at least like 15, 16 games. And I mean, we've only had two out of four seasons when he's been able to do that. So um, I think it, it kind of depends on his availability, if he can still keep up that elite level of play, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's the one that gets restructured as Herbert gets that huge wad of cash that's eventually going to um, make its way to his bank account. Yeah, you know, as Arjun points out, like Mike Williams' contract will be up by the time, you know, Justin Herbert's contract takes an effect. So will Corey Lindsley, Matt Filer, of course, um, Gerald Everett, Sebastian Joseph Day. Like they're clearly in, in a very specific window right now. Um, for what it's worth, I'm, you know, I know Tyler has this screen up here, but you're talking about restructuring Joey Bosa next year, saving you $15.28 million. Restructuring Keenan Allen saves you 8.9 um you could restructure Khalil Mack again if you are are confident that he is able to play out the rest of his contract um but I, I would kind of rather avoid doing that um you can restructure Corey Lindsley save six million dollars and there are other things that you can do as well you know like extending Corey Lindsley extending Austin Eckler and, and pushing some of that down the road so the Chargers are in a flexible state right now they're just gonna have to be willing to do these things at a higher level that we haven't really seen them because they haven't really needed to uh, over the last couple of years, of course, with Justin Herbert on a rookie deal. You don't really need to restructure many of your players once you're planning for, you know, this win now window. You're going to have to do more things to creatively manipulate the cap. And I think that they will. I mean, they don't really have a choice because they have to add players. So, um, you know, I expect them to be flexible in the next couple of years as well. A couple of people mentioned in the chat. What do you guys think about Matt Filer next year as being a sort of cut? They don't save a lot. They only save six and a half million. I know everyone at this point wants Jamari Sellier on the field somehow. Um, <laughs> Which I right totally get. I understand. Center, quarterback, whatever. Like They just want him on the field. How do you guys feel? Arjun and I talked about this. We said we, I mean, barring bad play from Matt Filer this year, of course, yeah. we'd still rather see him out there and not rush the succession plan. I mean, if Jamari Sawyer is an incredible guard and they have him as depth and that's just where he is for an extra year, you could be doing a lot worse rather than cut Filer, put in Jamari. Now your depth is worse. And so um, I think we're both in favor of keeping him, barring, you know, some dramatic drop off in player health. What do you guys think? Yeah, like you guys, you know, I share that same opinion. I think, you know, we assume Michael Davis is a cut candidate because, uh, you know, he had struggled last year. There's significant resources poured into you know, replacing him. And, and I think obviously, you know, you're talking about Jamari Salyer from a talent standpoint, potentially being able to, you know, take over, but he's, he's a six round pick. Like he's basically a free player right now. So I, as long as Matt Filer is playing like he did last year, I'm not super interested in cutting him. I'm like you, Tyler said, you know, you're not saving a significant amount of money and, you know, he is a free agent after 2023. So I, I'm, of the mentality that you could potentially restructure him. I don't actually, let me, I don't even know if that saves them any money. 
uh, doesn't save them any money. So um, I would just rather keep him and, you know, rather have good depth than, than worry about a, a depth problem later on. I concur. Yeah. I, I don't really get restructures to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no. So, I mean, Filer wouldn't get restructured. Technically, next year is the last year of his deal. So, right, yeah, right. Unless, I mean, the only way we'd lower his cap is by extending him. Which, if they move him to right tackle, I would be in favor of. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if they move him to right tackle, but pay him like a guard, or pay him like a guard first and then tell him, oh, yeah, we want to play you at right tackle, then I'd be, I'd be totally in favor of that. Yeah. I think another interesting one for me is Gerald Everett. Um, they would save $4 million by cutting him, which isn't a ton. But, you know, if you're talking about Donald Parham taking a step forward, Trey McKitty taking a step forward, maybe the draft class at, at the tight end position is really, really good, which it, it certainly seems like is the case right now. Yeah. I think there is a world in which Gerald Everett kind of doesn't do enough where he's essential to this team. And so, saving the $4 million could be something to consider there as well. Yeah. I mean, someone's going to have to be sacrificed to bring some other guys back. I mean, are you, are you moving on from Kyle Van Noy moving on from this year? Adderley? Cause like, I know that we think JT Woods maybe is a succession plan there and it might have to be for cap reasons, but that seems like a big jump right now. And are you moving on from Bryce Callahan? Who's apparently been amazing in camp looks amazing. Yeah, you're starting nickel, uh, you know, Storm Norton or Trey Pipkins, Morgan Fox, DeAndre Carter. Yeah, they're going to have a like more expensive right guys. tackle regardless next year, whether that's a draft mm -hmm. pick or whether that's a veteran. I mean, they're paying Pipkins and Norton to combine like two million dollars. Well, you know, I think a really smart idea based on Trey Pipkins play so far in camp is that we can extend him to potentially, you know, open up some short term relief cap space. Right. You know, give him a big contract. <laughs> I could take a contract. I, I don't think the Chargers would have to necessarily pay him a ton um, if he plays well, which it certainly he's seems 27? like he's... 27? Jeez. Who, Pipkins? Yeah, I didn't realize he was that old on his rookie deal. Yeah. Of course, got to bring back our guy, uh, DeAndre Carter. Alex is a big guy. Yeah. I mean, it's Again, not going to cost that much. He he would be the same cost he was this year, I would assume. I know, but I mean, you're talking about... You know, well, he's going to have a breakout year, so... <laughs> I mean, he had a breakout year last year, and he got the same amount of money he got. So, you know, Washington didn't keep him, so he yeah. the market got that. So I think, you know, he's 29 years old, too, so I think that's just kind of a ceiling at this point. Yeah. All right, well, definitely wanted to talk about some of the stuff that's happening there, but... Um, unless there's anything else contract related, we'll move on quickly to uh, some Cowboys Chargers talk. Is that cool? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Works for me. All right. So briefly, we'll give some uh, health updates from Brandon Staley that were, uh, you know, in his press conference today. Uh, looks like Kenneth Murray should be back at practice in some capacity next week um, at the start of training camp. Brandon said they did kind of outline a four to six week window. So next week would be the fifth week of that window. Um, so potentially ahead of schedule. I, I highly doubt that means full capacity, right? But would expect him to do some position drills and things like that uh, as they kind of ramp him, wrap his process up a little bit. Um Less than great news about Donald Parham. Looks like uh, he still is considered week to week as he deals with that hamstring injury. Sounded like Brandon said he doesn't really expect him back at practice anytime soon. Um, Also missing from practice today were linebacker Damon Lloyd, receiver Joe Reed, and edge rusher MK Egbole. Um, Damon Lloyd was dealing with a minor ankle injury. Egbole, another soft tissue injury. And then Joe Reed was uh, just sick. So I know Tyler pointed this out. He walked out to practice with his pads on, then walked back. Maybe we had a little Lamar Lamar Jackson situation. I don't really know. Uh, but he seems to be at least physically healthy in terms of like his ligaments and bones and muscles. Yeah, he looked fine. He was walking off the field. I didn't see him necessarily walk onto the field, but also an Arjun and I realized that he was walking off the field and his trainer was holding his pads and his head was kind of down. So you know, maybe he just was had a stomach flu or or whatever. <laughs> but um, hope he's hope he's okay. As far as Kenneth Murray, though, that's great news. We yeah. he's technically behind schedule based on where they projected him to be months ago, but now he's ahead of schedule of that four to six week timetable. Or if he's not ahead of schedule, he's at least got the earlier you know return time of four weeks or whatever it is, which is great because I really didn't think that he, if he returned in six weeks, I didn't think there's any chance he'd be ready for week one. And so four weeks now, you can kind of ramp up if it is Monday. And if they're not being extra, extra cautious about it, he can finally ramp up. And does it does seem like he'll be ready week one. But now I'm because now there is time for them to adjust what they're going to do at linebacker. So yeah. does this now mean that does, does Kenneth Murray just swap in right there? Does he play Will? Is there no longer a chance for Jamal Davis or MK Egbule to make this roster because Van Noy is now an edge rusher? Is Eamon Ogbong Bamiga officially, or, or, or whoever the fifth guy is, is he no longer even kind of required because Murray's healthy? I don't know. This could be, it's a very interesting development. I didn't realize it was going to happen so soon, but I mean, that's great to hear. They need him to be healthy, and I'm glad it looks like he's trending that way. Yeah. Um, I, I think the big thing is the Kenneth Murray uh, deal. I mean, just if he can get back and get a couple good weeks of practice under him then this Chargers team is obviously a lot better off for it because we were talking about, okay, he might practice the week of the Raiders game. Uh, and then obviously you would still have to have Kyle Van Noy at linebacker. You would still pretty much have to keep your current configuration and just kind of work him back into it. But the fact that he's back, you know, uh, two weeks ahead of like what the worst, you know, potential timetable was, um, I, I think is generally a pretty good thing. Obviously, it's going to come down to staying healthy and, you know, we'll see what the other domino effects on the roster are. But that's really good. 
Um, and it seems like everything else is pretty minor right now. Obviously, Donald Parham's hamstring is kind of something to watch, um, you know, in these, you know, I don't think he's probably going to play in either of these last two preseason games as a result. Um, but, you know, uh, just hope he's ready for the regular season week one and obviously kind of take your time with that injury, given the fact that, you know, you don't want to re-aggravate it and then potentially miss some time in the regular season as a result. So, um, yeah, good news in the kind of direction. It seems like everything else so far is pretty minor. Yeah, in terms of the linebacker rotation, um, you know, I was able to listen to the NFL Network stuff while I was working today from home. Um they said a lot of things that were like frankly bullshit today. Um, but they were they were asked about specific they were specifically talking about Kyle Van Noy, and they seem to imply that they've heard from within the building that uh, the Chargers plan is to keep Kyle Van Noy at linebacker as long as Chris Rumpf is developing the way that he has and they trust him to uh looks like we lost Alex there for a second. Um so they expect Chris Rumpf to be their edge three. And as long as he's playing well, that will still be the case, which leaves Kyle Vannoy at linebacker. If an injury happens, if Chris Rumpf kind of struggles, then Kyle Vannoy will move more often to the edge rusher. I think he still will play a role there, um, but it sounds like they think Kyle Vannoy uh, is going to be basically their middle linebacker, play caller, well, outside of Derwin James. Um, but yeah, they, it sounds like Calvin Oy is, is linebacker Calvin Oy, not edge rusher Calvin Oy. I mean, I, I love that, especially if Chris Rumpf is doing so well. And if, if he's, and he looks great, right? He looks fantastic. The last time we saw him, he was dominating. So if we're getting a much improved linebacker core and an improved Chris Rumpf at edge three and sure some Kyle Van Noy at, at edge as well, that's the best case scenario. I, I didn't think it would end up like this, but this injury to Murray kind of forced some things to change. And I think it's brought out some good stuff in Rumpf and Kyle Van Noy that maybe they didn't expect. Sure. And I love, I love hearing this. Yeah, one thing I wanted to like talk about is like I, I know Van Noy and, and Micah Parsons aren't in, even in the same same stratosphere. Like Parsons is one of the best in the NFL, but I think it's interesting how like both the Chargers and the Cowboys have this like dilemma of like the optimal usage of these players. And I think for Parsons he's an every down player. Like no matter where he plays, he's going to be on the field. I don't know if Van Noy is going to be that, like you want him on the field on every snap, because if he's not at edge, is he the dime linebacker? Is he going to be in a nickel? Like that's, those are questions that we need to ask. And I mean, the chargers with tranquil and Murray, those are two capable, hopefully linebackers that can play in nickel and dime. So do they want to manage Van Noy's reps so that when they hopefully again, make the playoffs that he's ready and he's, able to take on maybe a larger snap count do the chargers want to use them more at edge when everyone's healthy even though that's probably not likely to happen but like where is his optimal usage like what does that look like those are questions that it's just tough to answer during practice when murray's out tranquil's been hurt for weeks now and he just came back and and van noy's not even playing in the preseason so i think still a lot of questions surrounding kyle van noy but it's, it's a lot of mystery, and honestly, it kind of adds to the intrigue of what the Chargers defense can be and like how hard it'll be to game plan against them. Yeah, I think one of the reasons I was really excited about potentially signing Calvin is obviously, you know, gives them insurance at the edge rusher spot and gives them a, a true, you know, bona fide pass rusher over there, but also just like the ability to have 
you know, this NASCAR package where you are featuring, you know, Morgan Fox and Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack on the inside, and then Kyle Van Oy, and then the other Bosa or Mack on the outside, and just be able to get after quarterbacks. And now, like, they could still do that for sure, but, you know, sounds like they have a lot of faith in Chris Rumpf this year, and they want to keep Kyle Van Oy kind of off the ball, except for these designer looks where they'll move Kyle Van Oy up along the line of scrimmage. So I'm curious to see really like – the whole rotation is just going to be fascinating because, you know, we'll get into this in a second, but Michael Davis, Asante Samuel Jr., much more of a legitimate competition. You have Calvin Oy and Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray and Nick Neiman and, and all these guys that they like at linebacker. So uh, obviously depth is a great thing to have, but in terms of rotation, it is going to be interesting to see. Um, in terms of roster construction, obviously the Donald Parham one is going to be very uh, important to keep an eye on if he's out for the next couple of weeks. You know, this is going to open up an opportunity for Hunter Campmore to make the roster. Like he really has seized every opportunity, and that's going to mean somebody else is is going to have to get cut. So, um, hopefully, Donald Parham is able to get healthy and back on the field soon. Um, not to say that that will keep Hunter Campmore off of the roster, but I think we'll just need mm-hmm. to have a much clearer picture. You know, as we approach the uh, final fifty-three cutdown. Or Gabe Neighbors, who's now a glorified uh, tight end. Yeah, yeah, which is definitely, <laughs> definitely something to talk about today. All right, uh, let's get to some of these takeaways from the Cowboys joint practice today. Again, we'll, we'll do this a, a little quicker than we maybe initially planned. Tyler Argent did do uh, a quick breakdown earlier today, but um, didn't seem like a great day for the offense. This is something that everybody was really kind of talking about, including the two of you including Brandon Staley, including Austin Eckler. Um, that can happen, which is, is you know, the whole thing about joint practices is that it, it's kind of like restarting training camp all over. So defenses kind of come in and and have a, a significant advantage over the offenses. Uh, and it sounds like that happened today. It sounds like Micah Parsons in particular was a bit of a game record today or a practice record, I guess. Uh, so Arjun, what did you see from uh, Mr. Parsons and the, problems that he was causing for the Chargers offense yeah so Parsons I mean first of all he took Pipkin's lunch money on back-to-back snaps and I I mean I said this in our in the recap video but maybe like people like I thought I'm supposed to be the 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 young blood but people can't go back to like old school like an AI crossover like I feel like that should be like standard like okay uh Parsons cross uh Pipkins up like that should be like pretty straightforward to like understand right that like beat him on an inside move yeah I mean Michael Parsons isn't exactly a refined pass rusher he's very disruptive but yeah you know we're not talking about Joey Bosa over here yeah but like even if unorthodox he gets the job done but but yeah Parsons I mean I thought Demarcus Lawrence might have even been better than Parsons today okay. uh, Lawrence crushed Pipkins in the first wrap of one-on-ones, like the actual like first first wrap of O-line, D-line one-on-ones. Yeah, I thought he was a menace in the run game. Like he was really taking it to not only Pipkins or Norton, but like he was lining up in the interior. He was taking on the tight ends. I have a, like a, a clip of him. Like he got hit by Pipkins, then he got blocked by Everett, and then he shed both of them to make a tackle for loss in the backfield. So I thought Lawrence – and uh, Parsons really did a good job against the Chargers offensive line. And it, and it was mainly the right side, if we're being completely honest. And it was mainly just mm-hmm. the tackle, uh, being completely honest. But I, I don't think it was 
I don't think it's wrong to say that the Chargers offense was bad today and they lost the day. Even if they weren't prepared for anything, that's not really the point of like what we're trying to say. Like if, even if they were prepared, it was and this was the same outcome, we'd be saying the same thing that they lost. So that's that's kind of like my biggest takeaway. Yeah, I know some Chargers fans are like, "Whoa, don't overreact. It's just a practice." Like, I get that. Like, we're not trying to overreact to anything. I don't. We don't think that Herbert's a bad quarterback. And oh, the offense won't be top five. Or like, it's not that. It's just, I mean, Arjun literally read off just the stats of what happened on the day, and it it just wasn't clean. I almost wish that it were just they the defense looked better than the offense, and they did. I think the front seven really dominated the line of scrimmage, but it was more than that. It was, you know passes behind the the receiver it was dropped passes it was false starts it was stuff like that it just is a bit disappointing to see today i hope they get it cleaned up not all bad today but i would say the defense uh for the cowboys certainly held the offense on the flip side though it did sound like the defense for the chargers whooped the cowboys of of course there are moments especially when you can't tackle when you can't hit where you're not as aggressive where the offense is probably going to win but it sounds like like khalil mack beat up tyron smith pretty good Yes. Um, some sort of that looked great. Calvin Noy had a pick or whatever. Something like Davis had a couple. So it sounds like the defense did really well. And I asked someone on the team, and apparently the defense just kicked their ass. Where's the word that I got? So um, great to hear on that. They'll be on our side of the field tomorrow, so we'll get a better sense. But you know, gonna work on some things on offense. I think if they clean it up, you're already doing better tomorrow. And then on defense, if things are looking like that, I'm feeling pretty good. So nothing, no sky is falling. But the offense didn't look so great today. Right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think the defense looking good is is good. And even in comparison to last year's game against the Cowboys, uh, Terrence Steele actually did a really good job against Joey Bosa last year. And it sounds like from Cowboys media that he did not do a good job against Joey Bosa <laughs> today. Uh, I guess Terry Pipkins can, can relate in a sense to that struggle. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, I, you know, it's not the end of the world, especially not in terms of like the right tackle competition and, and all of that kind of stuff, maybe which is what people were kind of like so doom and gloom about. Although it is kind of like, OK, well, you know, we had the struggles against Michael Parsons last year and we're still having those same struggles this year. He's a generational talent. I mean, he's one of the best, uh, you know, pass rushers in the league. And Demarcus Lawrence, as Arjun said, is, is no slouch either. No one would put him in their top 10 pass rushers, probably. But, I mean, he's a really, um, you know, top player what he does. Uh, so, you know, for me, that's not the end of the world. But at the same time, the Chargers did struggle, you know, offensively against the Cowboys last year and, and kind of what they were able to throw at them. You know, that was a game early in the season where you had like the Jared Cook illegal shift penalties and they just didn't seem like they were totally ready and all together there yet. And maybe that's, you know, kind of the same case, uh, you know, not the same point in time in the season, uh, but, you know, still early, still getting their stuff together. But at the same time, with the right tackle spot and and with the ways they did struggle against the Cowboys in that game last year, a little bit concerning to hear mm-hmm. about some of the stuff. But definitely, like Tyler said, no sky is falling stuff. Real quick, just to clarify for something, and Arjun and I talked about this already, but um, Herbert was playing with the cadence and the snap count, and they were also trying to run some hurry up. So if there were issues with false starts or even just the offensive line not looking so good today, Herbert was trying to play with things that he's not usually doing. Yeah or didn't do before, so that might have affected things today. Yeah, no, I definitely noticed that they were doing hurry-up stuff. Um, you know, the NFL Network coverage of this practice was so shitty, and I'm sure anybody else that was watching, and like, so they had one camera that was on basically, you know, like the backside of the practice in the far right corner, and so they you see an angled view 
of the practice and it was so zoomed in that you would like see the offensive line but if the play went beyond anything from like the left flat or the right flat i guess of the offense you didn't see what was happening so uh, you know i didn't get to watch like a ton of footage you know, there were certain plays that i did get to watch but um definitely noticed the chargers um doing some hurry up doing some cadence things like that saw justin herbert doing a couple checks on on some instances which was good i, I will say that at this time last year against the 49ers uh that it was much worse against the 49ers than what we saw today at least based off of uh what was happening and if you guys remember uh Rashawn Slater did not practice against the 49ers and neither did Brian Bulaga and I think Matt Filer was also dealing with a minor issue so uh last year was significantly worse against the 49ers and Nick Bosa and uh that crowd so um the, today was was mildly bad in comparison but I, I definitely you know think that the struggles were definitely worth talking about yeah absolutely apparently some guy named west coast cowboy was live the whole time uh that man's gonna get copyrighted so good for him i guess <laughs> um you know mentioning the defense i guess they definitely had some really great moments bryce callahan continued to be bryce callahan uh good. they showed two pass breakups from from him uh, mm -hmm. They did show the Khalil Mack. Um, I guess it would have been the time that Kyle Vanoy got the interception. So uh, it was kind of a twist between, I think, Morgan Fox and, and Khalil Mack, which ultimately forced Dak Prescott to, uh, you know, get in a rush situation. Sebastian Joseph Day did have a, a sack himself, and Troy Reader was able to, uh, it was kind of, uh, I think he was doing a hook to curl zone concept, and he went and shadowed Dalton Schultz, Dalton Schultz for a second. Got a pass breakup. So the defense, from what I saw, definitely had some good moments today. Sounds like everybody uh, is in agreement there that the defense was was kind of gangbusters, which makes sense. The Cowboys have no receivers. Um, yeah. <laughs> and their offensive line has, has really kind of struggled out the gate. So uh, good day for the defense, not so good day for the offense. Mm -hmm. Um. There was something else that I wanted to bring up. Somebody else keep talking. Uh, somebody in our chat, and I think you already saw this, said that Jordan Schultz said the Chargers were interested in, um, oh God, Roquan Smith. Hmm. I don't know if you guys saw that in the chat. I don't know if Schultz even actually tweeted that. I think it was on his, like a show or a podcast or something. Um, so mm. I have to look for it. But I'm sure that they've, looked into it like i don't see why they wouldn't and they certainly have a relationship with the bears you know two trades already in telesco's tenure players over there players over here so you i know. think i think that tweet like if I, I remember there's one tweet by jordan schultz where he was like these are the destined like possible destinations that he could land and schultz literally listed 12 teams so like <laughs> okay gotcha i think i think nice. that was the Roquan tweet if i'm not mistaken <laughs> So it's not like, you know, it's not like being on that list is super special. There's 12, there's 11 other teams and that's like one third of the league. So, yeah, that's, that's Jordan Schultz for you. So well, you know, was, go ahead, Alex. Well, I was going to say the Chargers just gave Derwin James $76 million of not my money. They can give Roquan Smith $60 million of not my money if they really <laughs> want to. Uh, Eddie G did point out it was, I guess Roquan was interested in the Chargers, which I mean, Sure, yeah, I would be too. <laughs> sure. Um, 
So some other other things that I want to talk about is Michael Davis obviously had another good day himself, had an interception today. Um, that competition is really ramped up from what I saw on TV, which was only, I think, four series. It was mm-hmm. all Michael Davis with the first team. Asante only came in when they would go to dime packages. Uh, and then it was essentially dime package was him and JT rotating for that last defensive back spot. So, hmm. um, you know, that could have just been the thing today. Uh, JT Woods did force a fumble that we were saying earlier in the chat. Um, kind of seems like Asante. I don't want to say like doghouse, but um, I think he's much further behind than we would be hoping at this point. Yeah, if this was the plan, like if it was, it's weird because if it were competition, maybe we'd get some sort of Storm Norton, Trey Pugans thing. You rotate a series, every other series, every other practice, every other week or something, but it was. It's so heavily Asante Samuel Jr. So if it were ever a competition to begin with, like a real one, I feel like they would have done that. But now they're at this point where it's a big flip-flop to Michael Davis. But then is Asante Samuel Jr. your your plan in week one? Because you wouldn't have him all of a sudden lose the starting reps as we're trending towards... We're very We're less than a month now, you know, three weeks away yeah. from week one. Like, Why would you trend away from that? So we'll see you know like i talked about like on discord and i think on twitter you know we we knew before otito was jumping in with the ones that one day of practice that there was going to be an intentional shakeup that had nothing to do with the depth chart it was just to change up matchups for different looks but it just feels it just feels kind of different like the interior defensive line they're rotating like i get that they're, they're changing things up they've been doing that this secondary thing with davis it feels a bit more relevant but then again on the other hand Davis is playing special teams. Asante Samuel Jr. for the most part is not. Like he'll get some run. Ficken yeah, does true. have a lot of the DBs doing that, but Davis is the guy on special teams, whereas Asante Samuel Jr. is not. But then again, does that change now? Like I, I don't know. It's a very yeah. I don't think it's going to change. I think they are committed. And regardless, Davis is a cap casualty, I think, next year. So I think they have to commit to ASJ, but I don't know. I didn't expect it at this point. Like I conceded. I thought Davis was going to get a legit chart. Start chart. Great. A grit. <laughs> a legit shot to be corner two, and it never happened. So I conceded yeah. that okay, ASJ is the plan. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh yeah, Michael Davis is not only starting the last two weeks, he's killing it. He's crushing it. And even in the preseason, it's very small sample size. He looked great. I saw Nasimba Jr. had the pass interference penalty. So. Yeah. This is something to watch for sure. I don't know how it'll play out over the next couple of weeks, but I did not expect this. The The thing that I don't want to happen is is they pick one to start and then they do what they did with Tavon Campbell last year. It was like, oh, he earned the right to rotate in. And like, if you choose a starter, that should be who you start until they get hurt or until it's literally like two or three games of bad play to where – you you only make the switch while you're game planning. Like I don't want the switch to be made in game. It just like ruins the chemistry, yeah. ruins what you game plan for. And then the the other note is like so I, I was doing like a a uh, basically a breakdown of like coverage stuff. Like I created like a new coverage metric for PFF and like I, I posted a thing on Twitter yesterday. Like I think Asante Samuel's rookie season like it was okay, but I think it was a little bit overhyped. Like I think on a play-for-play basis he wasn't like really that consistent and especially after the first couple of weeks 
his play kind of fell off. Now, I, I will give him all the benefit of the doubt. The two concussions he had in like a four-week span, that definitely affects your play. And like we, I don't think we're, we're considering it enough into this summer as well, like how that could be affecting him. And But Davis, you know, he was going through his own things last last season and you know hopefully he's in a better mental space now but um yeah no i, I hope i hope they just uh, they're not going to cut either of them i just hope they make the right decision and it all works out in the end especially when it comes to week one and then just what is the leash i mean again last year week four it's asante similar jr getting pulled week five it's davis getting pulled then it's tavon campbell starting for both of them at different points Vaughn Campbell gets roasted. So it's like, I, I don't know what the leash is. Like, okay, whoever you roll into the season with, did they get, did they get a week? Did they get two weeks? You know, what does that look like? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I think the really concerning thing is the benching stuff last year. And, and when you're going to potentially bench Michael Davis, if he's not playing, you know, the way that you expect him to same potentially Asante Samuel jr. Um, until the preseason game, I, thought that the CB2 competition was wrapped up and that it wasn't yeah. much of a competition. And then ASJ kind of puts up a stinker of a game and Michael Davis, you know, plays like we've seen Michael Davis, you know, be possible or be capable of playing before. Uh, and, you know, now you see him obviously taking the first team reps that he is. So, um, yeah, this is kind of an unexpected battle, um, I guess, in my opinion. And and it's not going to matter quite as much as like right tackle battle, for example, because Michael Davis and Asante sure. Samuel Jr. are both going to be on the field a lot, regardless of which one is, you know, outside CB2 in that sense. Um, but I do think that um, this is relatively both an interesting development and also a concerning one in terms of how the Chargers coaching staff decides to handle it um at this late stage in the game and you know obviously as the weeks go forward and seeing how it kind of rotates you know on itself every week and and whether or not it could be you know matchup dependent as well depending on who the chargers yeah. you know are potentially playing and who they want to play with as you know that outside guy versus you know who if they want you know michael davis on uh you know darren waller or travis kelsey duty uh you know in a respective week so i i think how close it is between those two and how they are fighting in camp uh, still at this point in you know mid-August or so uh, is a little bit surprising, but also you know uh, just just an interesting development that I didn't expect. Yeah, I think leading into training camp, we all expected it to be you know heavily matchup based, and then it was like, oh, Michael Davis is not getting any reps with the first team defense. It's all Asante Samuel Jr. Now it's kind of back to that where it's like, all right, this is this is going to be a matchup based dependent thing and because Bryce Callahan's not coming off the field and JC Jackson's not coming off the field either. So um unless they're injured of course. But um you know this this cornerback rotation is definitely you know more interesting at this point than it was a couple of weeks ago. We've talked a lot about the running back position uh behind Austin Eckler on this show. I think everybody has a nauseum at this point. Did want to mention it today I believe this was the first time that Isaiah Spiller got significant first team snaps uh in a practice setting. And also relevant, Larry Roundtree got destroyed by Micah Parsons on a blitz and gave up a sack. So uh, continues to be Larry Roundtree stock down. And I think it is significant that Isaiah Spiller has really begun to work with the first team offense, at least uh, at a small scale, because up to up until this week, he was essentially relegated to second team reps. Now he's getting first team reps. 
Larry Roundtree not doing himself any favor favors is definitely worth uh, talking about today. So, uh, Tyler, really quickly, what did you see from any of the running backs today that was good? <laughs> um, did we, Arjun? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Was that wasn't their fault or anything. They did as much as they could. Like, I'm sure their rushing yards, as expected, it was about right. It's just the defense aligned it really, really well. Uh, I know Kelly fumbled. Yeah, Roundtree got beat up. I didn't see a lot from Spiller. Like, usually there's in one time in practice, there's, oh, look at that catch. Didn't really see that. Didn't see a big run. Like, it's a two and a half yards a carry kind of day from these guys. So yeah. no one really separated themselves. But I am glad if it's true and if it's how it worked out that Roundtree's being officially phased out. Like, it's just, it was kind of stupid, in my opinion, to have Kelly be the two. But then, like, Roundtree comes in for, like, a couple snaps with Herbert. But then Spiller's the really the third guy. Like, it was just a weird rotation. Like, they knew, and you could tell that Spiller was at least the RB3, and I think he sort of still is. Um, but I'm glad they're kind of just officially doing away with that now, and they've locked into their three. Yeah, so just really quickly, they they were talking a lot about, like, Cowboys offense versus Chargers defense. They shifted over to coverage to Chargers offense, Cowboys defense. Mm-hmm. Um and it was Roundtree was in there for like three or four plays with the first team offense. One of those plays is when Micah Parsons came on a blitz and just, you know, it was a big old whiff by Larry Roundtree. Um, Isaiah Spiller came in. He got three plays. He got two carries right back to back. They were both of them gained yardage. The second one looked like it was about six or seven yards. Uh, and Spiller did signal for a first down. And then Nick Cothra pointed out that he had an additional 10 yard run later on for what it's worth. I think in a two-minute setting is what Cothrell said. They handed the ball off in a two-minute setting? Maybe it was a red zone setting? I don't know. Maybe. One of the two. Yeah, Eckler Eckler had like a a wheel route touchdown on like seven-on-sevens, but like that's not like – seven-on-sevens don't really like mean anything. And when I watched the clip over again, it was – Herbert did take like an extra second than I think he normally would have to throw. I think it took him about four seconds from snap to throw. So, I mean, you could just say it was a deeper developing play. He, I think he probably would have gone a sack by that point, or he would have had to step up in the pocket and look elsewhere. So I don't really think like that was a big play. And I, I think the Cowboys reporters are right in the sense that the Chargers offense didn't generate any big plays. Like Kyler said, Joshua Kelly fumbled and it, it sucks because I thought we had the gak bump, but apparently I, we, we don't anymore. Uh, um, you're not official. No, we don't, we don't include official, you yet. Yeah. But one, one thing they did run the – so it's interesting. I think the plays that we see are like actually part of their playbook. They ran the jet sweep with Carter again, but they also ran my favorite, the split back, split back zone run with the speed option where Eckler motion and motion, motioned left to right, hand up to – I believe it was – it was Roundtree – up the middle um so they ran that again only like four or five yards again just because the defense was putting on a, a clinic but pretty good um pretty good showing from some of the uh backs or not not a good showing from some of the good backs today yeah um i guess the larry roundtree thing is the most interesting one just because we saw how little he ended up playing you know of the preseason game and it kind of leads to what tyler said of you know potentially him being phased out, um, you know, in favor of them just keeping three running backs or maybe them, you know, keeping him on the practice squad or whatever, as opposed to the fourth running back spot, um, you know, and each mistake, even, you know, it's Michael Parsons, 
but each mistake kind of does get magnified. We know about the two fumbles earlier in camp, uh, obviously from Larry Roundtree. So the, the fact that we're sitting here today and it's like, well, you know, he's losing playing time. It feels like he's losing reps and he's still kind of making some of those mental mistakes. Um, I think that's worth talking about, especially as we just get closer to cut time. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, you know, in danger of of being cut, obviously. And at this point, yeah, I, ca- I can't really justify keeping him when I'm I'm talking about, you know, Donald Parham's injury, making Hunter Campmoyer more necessary. I'm talking about Michael Bandy and how he's kind of showed out, uh, had a good practice himself today, it sounds like. Um, so it, it's just difficult for me to look at Larry Rantry and, and, you know, get excited about keeping him because of who the Chargers could potentially lose. Um, you know, with that extra roster spot. So um, that was everything that I wanted to talk about. Again, Tyler Arjun did a, a great recap earlier, um, but anything else that the two of you wanted to bring up from uh, today's practice? Uh, Michael Bandy looks great. Continues to look good. Um, I, the, the right tackle spot is still the biggest question <laughs> on this roster. And... <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw Teresa. Teresa commented earlier and was like, "Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins are who we thought they were." In all caps, and yeah, I that comment. They definitely are. Like my my fun, like meme about the thing was like, "Storm Norton's the boat and Trey Pipkins is the box," and like, like the mystery box, you know, the, the yeah, yeah, family yeah. guy. Yeah. So the problem is, I think we've kind of seen what's inside the box, and it's it's not anything worth anything valuable. So. I mean, they're you just got to put it like we see it. They're like replacement level tackle tackles, and it's just like how they just they just can't be like as big of a liability as they was were at times. And unfortunately, today that was that was the case. I mean, I mean, uh, I think it was Tyler who said that Trey Pipkins is twenty seven earlier. Like, at, at what point do we just kind of go not not a developmental tackle anymore, right? <laughs> like, you know, I, like yeah. I just said, I do think it's time to start realistically talking about it as though both him and storm are replacement level guys. Um, and that's just what the chargers are going to have to play through. Yeah. I mean, they're gonna, certainly going to have to do some creative game planning and things like that. And there will be some moments for both of them to, or whoever starts, I guess, to, to kind of, you know, excel. And I did think that, you know, Trey Pipkins in limited action, he had the one really bad rep, but I thought other than that, he was pretty good against the Rams. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. Darrell Williams is still out there. I'm just saying. You're still out there, Steven. <laughs> I never played right tackle, so, you know, and I'm only 6'3", so. You know, f- fans are cool with Sawyer out there. <laughs> so. Yeah, I can't really see that happening personally, but, you know, it is what it is. All right, so uh, that's going to do it for our show tonight. We uh, will be going live on saturday while i will not be there i will be moving into uh my new house which is really exciting the process has finally come to an end um and then we'll have our um cowboys game recap on sunday tyler and arjun will have a video up quickly uh tomorrow after practice as well so stay tuned for that one um alex didn't get your final thoughts man i apologize any final thoughts here tonight Nope. Uh, congrats on the new house, Stephen. Uh, congrats, you. Derwin, on his new contract. I <laughs> hope everyone makes money, and I hope everybody has a good night. Yeah, everyone makes money. Get the get the bags and all that good stuff. As always, make sure and like this video, subscribe to the channel, turn the notifi- notifications on. Uh, if you're listening to this, leave a rating or review. We always appreciate that. 
A bunch of Derwin James giveaways on uh, Tyler's Twitter, on the podcast Twitter. So be sure and enter those if you haven't already. Uh, That's going to do it, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate your support. As always, bolt up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.